now live at 6 o'clock. KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quack Smack. I like talking talking sports. Quack Smack! What? Quack Smack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Quack Quack! Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. It's a Tuesday edition of Quack Smack. Knight Uretsky joined alongside Ian Sutliff. Just a two-man show today. We thought that Aiden Hess was going to be here uh, he is not here. We just got us to today. Nonetheless, a fun and exciting show we have for you here on this Tuesday evening. We got some Oregon football talk. We got some Oregon volleyball talk. Later on, we're going to have Blake Neiman from Arizona State's Cronkite School of Journalism there at Cronkite Sports. He's going to be joining me a little bit later for an interview to talk some ASU Ducks versus Devils that's happening this week. A busy weekend in the desert for Oregon. They got women's basketball on Thursday against Grand Canyon, volleyball against ASU on Friday, volleyball versus Arizona on Sunday, and sandwiched in between that, Oregon football versus Arizona State. So a very jam-packed weekend for the Ducks in the desert and a fun show for us too. We're also going to talk some college football power rankings later on. Uh, but overall, great time to be here. Ian, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, pretty good. How are you? I mean, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting show. I don't think I've ever done this before. I think only on a Friday night spotlight has there been two people. But Yeah, is, uh, you, you, know, you, you know, you just got to roll with the punches. Yeah. That, that's the thing about working in radio, you know. You, you, you always have to be prepared to adapt on the fly, and that's exactly what we're doing here today. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about. We got some volleyball and stuff. Uh one thing, you know, I love to start with a question today. I'm going to throw you a curveball right here. Okay. I know you're wearing a Kansas basketball shirt, yeah. and you're probably watching college basketball before you got here. But for I was. me, I was watching Maction. <laughs> and I what was, is that? Maction? You don't know about Maction? No. Oh, my gosh. So Maction is like on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the later half of the college football season, teams in the MAC play each other. And it's just called okay. Maction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I have seen that there's just random Tuesday games. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you is – if you had to pick a Mac team, who would it be? But I guess you're not going to be able to answer that. Um, I haven't been watching a lot of Mac football. I know some Mac teams. I mean, I know Toledo and Buffalo. Yeah. And Toledo's 9-1 and one right now. Okay, then I'd pick Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I mean, I know there's Western Michigan. I know I know some Mac teams. I just yeah. I don't pay attention to it until bowl game season rolls around. I'm watching the Cure Bowl on a cold winter day yeah no so. absolutely i love bowl season we're almost oh, me there. too we're yeah. almost there i know so exciting it, what what bowl game is your favorite is it the rose bowl um i think being from pasadena i almost have to say that but i always love watching the sugar bowl i always love watching the sugar bowl it's really like, it marks the end of bowl season and it's like that last game it's always a later game for some reason um and i feel like it's like late on a saturday like it's either January 1st or now the 2nd. Yeah. Um, I want to say even one of these last years, it was like the 4th. So um, It just kind of depends on the scheduling. But it's always yeah. that late game because you have like the Rose Bowl, uh, kind of like that afternoon game in the morning. It's the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, you get a really good SEC team in there yep. usually. So I do like watching the Sugar Bowl. That's probably one of the ones. I would say, honestly, two. 
I don't even know what's the first one usually. It's sometimes it's the New Mexico New, New Mexico, Mexico Bowl. And Dude, I don't even know. I know that like the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is like always really early. Honestly, I love watching all of them because my family we do a huge pool uh-huh. for college football bowl game season and we have usually like 30 people um and so it's so funny because it's so unpredictable and we do spreads and that's how we pick it so you'll have like two grandmas that are like literal like my grandma my step grandma (laughs) will be like first and second in the poll and you'll get like me and my uncles and stuff who know a lot about football Mm -hmm. in dead last (laughs) <laughs> it's just so unpredictable because it is so unpredictable and you get opt outs and new coaches and yeah it's just crazy yeah you know college football bowl season is definitely getting less predictable yeah because of all the opt outs because of all the coaching changes that happen uh it didn't used to be that way it used to mean that like you made a bowl game and it meant something and yeah. you know they were talking about that earlier this year like Jerry Allen, who's the voice of the Ducks, didn't even mention that Oregon was bowl eligible when they got their sixth win. And that used to be like a thing. Like Oregon used to be a team that was like, holy cow, like they're making a bowl this year, you know? Early Herbert days and stuff, it was uh, was a struggle. No, literally, because 2016, they went four and eight. You know, eventually they like won seven games. They're in the Las Vegas Bowl. I remember the Las Vegas Bowl, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, against Boise State. Yeah, that, Willie Taggart has like a famous line. He's like, "We're so fired up for like the Las Vegas Bowl," and like, yeah. you know, like, and then he like dipped right after. Saying and that, that was when Cristobal won that game, right? Yeah, Cristobal okay. won that game. Yeah, I do remember. Took that. over the team, and the they were chanting Cristobal after he won. Yeah, I remember watching that game. Yep, yep, yep. And then the year after, they go to the Red Box Bowl, which was the yes. boringest yes. bowl game ever. Yep. I was at that game. Oh wow! I, okay. Yeah, I, pay, I paid like fifty bucks to watch Oregon score one touchdown and win seven to oh six God. against Michigan yeah. State. <laughs> I got to go to the Holiday Bowl last year, which was pretty. Yeah, cool. so that was, that fun. was fun. That was cool. A lot um, of fun. That was a really really good game, and that oh, yeah, actually felt like a game that meant something because Drake May versus yeah. Bo Nix, like two really that. good quarterbacks. Yeah, they might be both first round picks next year. Yeah, so we'll see. No Josh Downs for North Carolina, which was unfortunate, but yeah. he still was like, I mean, it was still a yeah. really really good game. Yeah, no, that was a great game. So fun to be at. Yeah. It was fun calling it. And then Camden Lewis doinking it off. Oh, my God. Upright. Yeah. Yeah, oh. that was – I totally forgot about that. <laughs> In the That's... mud. Like, that field was, like, brutal. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, let's go ahead and jump right into some Oregon sports talk. Let's start with some Oregon volleyball. So, this past weekend, Oregon volleyball took on the Bay Area schools, came away 1-1 one and one on the weekend, lost a heartbreaker against Stanford, went down 2-0 against the Cardinal, and then ultimately lost in the fifth set after coming back in sets three and four. Pretty convincing wins in sets three and four, and then they fell in that fifth set. Stanford now 2-0 and against the Ducks this season. Only one Pac-12 loss uh, this season for Stanford, two in the past two years combined. So really good mm-hmm. Stanford team that's up to number two in the ABCA poll. Cal, a much better team this year. They've won four Pac-12 games. Uh, a year ago, they won zero. Mm-hmm. The year before that, they won zero. The year not before that, they won school. zero. Not a very good volleyball school, but they're on the, on the right direction. A lot better this year. A lot better this year. Uh, Maggie Lee, a really phenomenal player for them. But the Golden Bears took the Ducks to five sets. Uh, that was also tough because I was wanting to watch that on Saturday. Uh, it was like a Saturday morning match. USC versus Oregon's later that day. No live stream, so I couldn't watch it. So yeah. it was unfortunate. But overall, one and one on the weekend. The Ducks won in five cents against the Golden Bears. For you, what stood out? Well, I love this team's fight, first of all. Down in both of those matches, the Stanford game, it was like, all right, here's a repeat of what happened against Arizona State where they got swept in straight sets, and 
they came back and almost won that third set. It was going to be 11-10, to 10, and then it was 12-9. It was that net violation that happened. Stanford challenged, yep. won it, and then went on to win the set. But, man, Oregon's playing some good volleyball lately. And they kind of had a little rough spot for a little bit, but they're back right now. And the Cal game was starting to look a little – little nerve-wracking, and they came out with it. So, big win there. Yeah, big win. That that net violation definitely was a big heartbreaker for yeah. Oregon in that one. I mean, you go from 11 to 10, one-point set. Like, Oregon was battling their way back, and then all of a sudden, it goes to a three-point swing, which is just so tough, especially late in the fifth set. The Ducks can get it done. Uh, nonetheless, though, I liked their effort against Stanford. I liked that when they went down 2 nothing. They didn't back away. Uh, I was really impressed with Morgan Lewis. Like, she was great against Stanford. She had 19 total kills, hit 405 on 37 total swings. Uh, that was her ninth match with double-digit kills. And, you know, she also hit over 300, which she's been doing a lot this season. Uh, Georgia Murphy seems to be back earlier in the Pac-12 season. It seemed like she was struggling a little bit, but right now uh, she seems like she's on the right trajectory again. 18 total digs in the match against Stanford on Thursday. And then I really like the addition of Elise Ferreira into the service game. Uh, Oregon hadn't really had her in the rotation. It was a lot of Kate Vibolt. Uh For a little bit of that time in the middle of the Pac-12 season, Elise Ferreira comes back and you know she dialed the season-high four aces, which was really great to see uh, against Stanford. And then Kara McGee against Cal. Oh. Yeah, Kara McGee's career high. 18 kills. Yeah, I know. And she had 10 of them in the past or the pre, the last two sets of that match. Yeah. Uh, she hit 769 in those last two Jeez. sets. Had 10 kills on 13 swings. Just ridiculous yeah, numbers. Hit 452 in the match. Uh, and that's big to see. You know, like Oregon needed somebody in the middle to compliment Carson Bacon coming into this season. They filled her role with uh, Kara McGee, who kind of came in. Uh, as a really established middle blocker and has just taken it to another level. It seems like week in, week out, she has become one of the best middle blockers, not only in the Pac-12, but in the country. Uh, and then Gabby Gonzalez and Morgan Lewis, again, both had 14 kills, impressive performances for them. A little bit quiet of a weekend for Mimi Collier, I will say. Um, but also, Col Colby Neal was great, too. She Colby Neal's been playing really well. Yeah, I would say some of her best volleyball this season. Yeah, and you know, they so. didn't utilize her a lot early season been getting to play a little bit more had a career high nine blocks against cal in five sets so really good stuff from oregon uh like to see a lot of those stuff uh, against the bay area schools but now they head off to the desert tempe on friday tucson on sunday we're gonna be in tempe on friday me and ryan ryan milano will have the call on friday it's gonna be i believe 5 p.m pacific time i i could be wrong i'll have to look that up uh, but 5 p.m., I believe, Pacific time against Arizona State. We'll have the call on KWVA Eugene 88.1. Ducks versus Devils. Arizona State swept Oregon the first time through. What did you learn in that match against the Sun Devils? Well, Arizona State can hit really well, and we know that. Um, ninth best in the nation. So I think someone that's going to have to step up again is Kara McGee. She had seven blocks against Cal, four against Stanford. She's a really great defensive player. Morgan Lewis as well is going to have to step up. So those are going to be the two players right there that are going to need to do a lot of damage. And it's going to be a tough, tough match. Now you have that home field or home court, excuse me, advantage in Eugene, you get swept and now you have to go play against Arizona state and Tempe is not easy. It really isn't. And they've been great this season, quite the turnaround for Arizona state. 
Uh, they're currently ranked inside the top 20. Uh, J.J. Van Neal's done a great job at their program. We'll get to Blake Neiman from ASU's Cronkite Sports in a second, and I'm sure he's going to tell us a little bit about him and the program this year. But Arizona State, really good serving team. That's what stood out to me that first match. Yeah. They made it tough for Oregon to really receive the ball, and that led to a lot of funky a chunky offense for Oregon against Arizona State the first time through. I mean, not often you get swept at home. And, you know, Arizona State no. did the same thing to Stanford. They swept the Cardinal, which is just remarkable. Stanford's been so good. Uh, but Arizona State got the better of Stanford as well. So it's kind of one of those things where if you're Oregon, it sucked in the moment. You obviously don't want to be swept at home. It was a struggle. But ever since that match, Oregon's turned it around. I think it's a different Oregon team now than against that Arizona State team. But a really good serving team. Good passing team as well. Oregon only had one ace. They weren't serving the ball great, and I think Oregon's going to have to serve the ball exceptionally well against Arizona State if they want to have any if they want to have any success. Uh, Ian, for you, you know, Oregon has so many options. Mimi Collier, of course, has been a little bit quieter, but do you think that she is the number one option for Oregon, or if they should start looking elsewhere for that number one option? Who is the player that you turn to when Oregon needs a point? I would still go Mimi Collier. I know she's a sophomore on a team that has a ton of veterans, but, I mean, you look at her stats, and she is absolutely one of the best players in the entire country. Um, you got to kind of live and die by Mimi Collier, and this team has done that. Um, and when she plays well, this team is at its best. When she doesn't, they've struggled. So I think that's who you have to go with. She's one of the best players. Keep rolling with her. Yeah, I really think that, like, this year, Oregon has gone to her a lot. And, you know, in the big moments, she's come through. That, that's the one thing I will say. And I think that she still is kind of that player that you want to turn to in those big moments. Uh, at the same time, I, I could really see Oregon starting to turn towards Morgan Lewis. Like, she has been on a tear. Like, yeah. when she launches the ball off of her right hand, like, it's lethal. Like, she's getting kills at a ridiculous rate. The hitting percentage is there. And, I don't know. I think that Oregon could start turning Morgan Lewis's way a little bit. Uh, she's currently third on the team in kills per set. She's slowly but surely climbing her way a little bit higher towards Gabby Gonzalez, who's in second, 2.86 kills per set. Uh, but I think the big thing for Morgan Lewis is the hitting percentage. Like, it's just so high this year, and a lot of that is because you have Mimi Collier on the other side. And so Morgan Lewis gets a little bit better of a block because Mimi Collier is attracting all the attention. Yeah. Nonetheless, a very fun weekend ahead. Oregon volleyball traveling to the desert. We're going to have the call on two, rather on Friday. Next Tuesday, we'll also have the call against USC. And with that, we'll step aside for the first time today. And when we come back, we'll talk some Oregon volleyball and football with Blake Neiman from Arizona State's Cronkite School of Journalism. KWVA. You're listening to Quack Smack here on KWVA Eugene 88.1. Our coverage doesn't stop when the show ends. For the latest news on Oregon athletics, follow the KWVA sports staff on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Also, check out the website at kwvaradio.org. Quack Smack returns right after this. You're listening to live Oregon student radio coverage of high school sports. Here on KWVA 88.1 FM, the voices of tomorrow broadcast the stars of the future. Keep an eye on the schedule and tune in here or online at kwva.uoregon.edu slash listen-live for coverage of high school sports in the Eugene-Springfield area. 
We broadcast a lot of things here at KWVA, and right now you're listening to a live sports broadcast. If you're looking for music or your regularly scheduled DJ, you can find them on KWVA2, our live online stream. To tune in, visit kwva.uoregon.edu slash listen dash live. That's kwva.uoregon.edu slash l-i-s-t-e-n dash l-i-v-e. This is former assistant sports director Adam Sussman. Let's get back to the best show in Eugene, Quacksmack. Welcome back to Quacksmack. Nat Yuritsky here, and I believe we do have Blake Neiman on the line. Blake, are you with me? I'm here tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, you know, Blake, you're from Oregon, and you know, I'm excited to go down to Arizona this weekend, mainly because of the weather. Can you just give me some positive news? Is the weather great in Tempe this time of year? Oh, it is fantastic. It never gets cold here in Tempe. It's like 80 degrees. The record heat has finally come down from the heavens, so um, it's, a, it's a good time. And uh, ASU got a pretty crazy win over UCLA on the road in the Rose Bowl. That was unexpected, a little swinging gate action. Um, but it's definitely going to be tough to do that against the, the high-flying Ducks. I know you guys are on a roll. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been a great year for Oregon, but a big win for you guys in that game against UCLA. Can you just talk a little bit about that game and what went well for the Sun Devils? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kenny Dillingham, you're, uh, Oregon's former OC, certainly had to get creative um, given the quarterback situation. Just with It started with Jaden Rashada, then it went to Drew Pine, then both of them got hurt. Then Trenton Borgay went down with an injury. Jacob Conover had to come into that game against Utah. He didn't provide anything um, as super productive. So then Trenton Borgay got back healthy, but then they went to the second and third string of Scadaboo and uh, um, Jalen Conyers. And so they had to kind of mix things up, get a bunch of different looks. And, you know, it, it certainly threw Chip Kelly off in a way. And uh, they were able to, you know, probably have one of their best offensive marches in a while this season, especially coming off that brutal loss to Utah. Um, but really, this, the standout thing for ASU all season this year has been the defense under new defensive coordinator Brian Ward. He came, he was the D.C. at Wazoo last year, and he's done a fabulous job with this defense, um, despite all the, you know, the circumstances of this program and the bull ban and all this thing. Um, Brian Ward's really established an elite defensive culture. He just got his contract extended, too. Um, but they, they had four um, fourth down stops against UCLA, including two in the red zone. So definitely watch out for um, that defensive line of ASU, Deshaun Mallory, Clayton Smith, B.J. Green. Those guys will be tough up front and definitely challenge Oregon for sure. Absolutely, and you know how much Oregon loves to go for it on fourth down, so it's probably going to oh, be yeah. one of those battles. Really exciting and one. Kenny, Kenny Dillingham took a page out of that playbook for, from Dan Lanning for sure, too. He definitely is a guy who likes to risk it to get the biscuit on fourth down. I know, both those guys so aggressive. Just talk a little bit about <laughs> Kenny Dillingham and his relationship with Dan Lanning. What has he said about Dan Lanning and Bo Nix, for that matter, uh, this week in the media? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, a big comment that he had that was um, pretty interesting on Monday um, during his weekly presser was that he said this is the best Oregon's offense has been since the Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota era, and he said it's even better than when he was there last year. So he's a... Uh, you know, taking a piece of humble pie in that way of just like um, this Oregon offense is 
is very, very good and is, is, has gotten even better without me. And he also um, said about this, like working with Lanning specifically, that um, we know Coach Lanning is a uh, defensive-minded coach. And uh, Dillingham said like that he's learned a lot about install days, um, formations and motions with the defense and how that all works. And that's also that's helped him prepare on both sides of the ball, but also helped him, you know, just offensively understanding defensive scheme a little bit better. Um, but he he's definitely he was telling us today like he has so many Dan Landing stories he could tell, but he didn't tell us any. Um, but he uh, he was a high school coach, and while uh, Dan Landing was a GA here at ASU, so um, definitely a long time connection. They had some connections at Memphis, but. He's just uh, really appreciative of him and respects him a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, the two of them kind of like siblings in a sense. Like, they were really close here at Oregon. Uh, Dan Lanning's talked yeah. about how he's kind of like Kenny Dillingham's kind of that little brother, and he still wants to whoop him on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Dillingham said he's been in contact with Lanning. Or I think I think it was Lanning. I was watching Lanning's presser the other day. He he said he's been in contact with Dillingham. We'll probably be in a little bit less contact this week. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what has Dillingham said about his relationship with Bo Nix? Yeah. Oh man, he 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 could go on all day about Bo Nix. But <laughs> the most interesting of comments um, that I picked up on was he said, "Quote: it, um, He's married, but if he wasn't married, you would want your daughter to marry him." <laughs> He is that type of person. I mean, that just speaks volumes of uh, Bo Nix, and he he said he's had the like quickest release um, to catch ratio in college football, and just how um, and I think Dan Lanning was talking about like how Bo has just progressed on his own, and Kenny Dillingham feels the same way. Like he didn't want to take much credit for like Bo's development. Like it has been all Bo and his independence and his drive to get better every day, um, and just has a lot of great things to say about him and how he has stepped it up this season. And he believes Kenny Dillingham believes he's the Heisman front runner. So um, that that pretty much sums it up to there. You know, I, I agree with Kenny Dillingham. I think that Bo Nix is probably the Heisman front runner, <laughs> runner at this point. Uh, you know, let's flip, let's flip sides. You know, Arizona State, obviously a lot of quarterbacks rotating in and out. I saw reports today that Jaden Rashada was practicing today. Do you expect Rashada to be the starter on Saturday? Um, it's obviously to be determined, but just from being around the team, um, a whole lot, I wouldn't suspect that, um, Dillingham would throw, um, Rashada coming off this injury into a gauntlet like Oregon and for for his first game back, Trenton Borgay, granted, you know, he hasn't always been the most electrifying quarterback. He was the last guy to beat Washington, um, last year. So he and he he's shown he can win against UCLA. He's led ASU to um, their two Pac-12 victories this year over UCLA and Wazoo, and he's he he fits well into the system. So I think it's just going to be a redshirt year for Rashada. I wouldn't suspect him to start. I I still think it's likely to be Trenton Borgay this week. Gotcha, gotcha. I was really curious to see what your opinion was and just being around the program. Um, you know, maybe yeah. you could throw Cameron Scataboo out there. I mean, he had that 25-yard touchdown. I mean, pass. you never know with Scat. I mean, he is just uh, – he's a jack-of-all-trades. Like, we saw Jack Coletto down at Oregon State win the Paul Horning Award last year, 
I mean, I think this is Cameron Scadaboo to lose. This guy can do it all. Like, he, Arizona State had a weird punting situation earlier this year where their starting punter was hurt, and they literally just punted with Scadaboo. And they still punt with Scadaboo. It's like a just drop kick formation. And he, he, that dude can boot it like 50 plus. It's crazy. And like, they, uh, his teammates were telling me, um, that he, he was throwing like 60 yard bombs in practice. This guy's just, <laughs> he, he's something else, man. Man, what an addition to your team. You know, earlier this year, Bo Nix punted a ball inside the five yard line. And it was like, his... are you serious? Yes. Oh yeah. I, do. I, I think I remember seeing that. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, we were like, you know, he can do it all. We were like, give him the Ray Guy Award. <laughs> it was like his 13th career punt. <laughs> but, like, honestly, like, you know, it's great to have a guy like that, especially in those awkward field situations where it's maybe a little bit too far to kick the field goal. Uh, but at the same time, like, if you put your punter out there, he's probably going to boot it into the end zone. And so it's nice to have another option to try to get it inside the 10-yard line. Uh, can, can you just talk about the environment right now? Obviously, you come off that big win against UCLA. Uh, Ray Anderson resigns like is, is the vibes around campus right now pretty positive going into this week yeah so the whole Ray Anderson thing um his resignation was very um we knew it was going to be coming in the coming weeks we just didn't expect it to be today so it, or a Monday I should say it was on Monday when he announced his resignation and it was interesting timing because it was right before we were talking to the head football coach and the head baseball coach. So that was interesting timing. Um, but, yeah, so vibes are pretty high as far as Sun Devil fans go. I mean, there was a record uh, investment into the NIL collective, the Sun Angel Collective, as it's called down here, um, after Ray Anderson resigned. So that was kind of the wall holding up the floodgates of um, NIL contributions from the ASU community. And, it's only continued to rise. It's just um, there just seemed to be a lot of um, dislike and uh, with, with Ray Anderson, and uh, I think just removing that piece is his resignation kind of uh, has set a new new vibe in Tempe for sure. That's good to hear. I, you know, I've been seeing Kenny Dillingham like week in, week out, try to buy in and try to get those uh, donors to invest a little bit more. And I'm glad to see that the work's finally paying off. H how about the culture change from last year to this year with Kenny Dillingham? I mean, has he really sparked a lot of excitement in the Valley? Oh, man, it's been a complete 360 as far as like the start of last season with Herm Edwards. I mean, I think rock bottom for ASU, maybe in program history, was that loss to Eastern Michigan against a MAC team. I mean, no other Pac-12 team in history had lost to a team from the Mid-American Conference. So um, that was that was kind of rock bottom. That ultimately led to um, Herm parting ways with the program. But it's been a complete 360 with Kenny Dillingham, just this new, lively, energetic, activate the Valley, Arizona guy, bringing on an Arizona staff, it's very been like locally focused, um, like with him and just trying to get the community involved, being out there in the community. Just he's the youngest uh, Power Five head coach, and you know he's he's showing off. He shows off the energy. He that dude. Uh, I don't know what he runs on, but he is a ball of energy, and he brings it every single day to practice. You can see it. Um, he's very passionate about what he does and is an incredibly wise and smart guy at college football. And a lot of um, people in the community know that the, the process takes time, and they, they definitely want to keep Dillingham around for a long time.
You definitely got you got a really good coach down there at Arizona State now, and I'm really happy to see that program shifting towards the right direction. Uh, he was that same spark of energy for Oregon last year, and it's good to see that he's having that impact on Arizona State. The program should be good, especially in the market that you guys have. Uh, real quickly, uh, I only have a couple of more questions for you. Just give me your keys to success for Arizona State against Oregon. Yeah, uh, it's going to be tough um, for sure for the Sun Devils to have success against this Oregon team that um, has been virtually running on all cylinders through the Pac-12 since that Washington loss. They've been looking like unstoppable. Um, but I'd say probably the keys for ASU is just, again, offensively being creative because certainly Dan Lanning's going to have a hunch of what Dillingham's going to bring out there considering he was literally just in that same system with him last year. So I say continue to bring that creativity offensively, give new looks that Lanny might not be expecting. Um, defensively, got to set the tone at the light of scrimmage, got to get to mix quickly. It's virtually impossible. I mean, that dude can just get it away on a dime. Um, but as much as ASU can create a blitz pressure and make Knicks uncomfortable in the pocket, that will be advantageous. Um, and then trying to contain Troy, Flank, Troy Franklin and Ted Johnson out on the edge in those one-on-one matchups and uh, trying to limit those explosive plays and create explosive plays offensively. But, again, all of those are just words, and actually executing that in reality is going to be a big challenge for Arizona State. But then again, earlier this season, ASU put up an incredibly – historic showing defensively against Washington. So definitely don't put anything off the table for what this defense can do to help keep this offense in the game. Absolutely. And I mean, Oregon struggled playing in Tempe historically. They've lost the last two in Tempe. The last time they won a game in Tempe was 2015 and it was a triple overtime game. So you can never count the devils out at home against the ducks. Always going to be a tough And I task. will say this, I will say this. Um, the last time these two schools met, it was like the exact same scenario. Oregon was ranked number six in the country. Justin Herbert led, came down to Tempe, and suffered their first loss. And then I think uh, ultimately that, or was it their second loss? It was their second remember. loss because they lost to Auburn yeah. to start the season. Actually, Bo Nix had the first yeah, that win was Bo Nix's, Yes, that was Bo Nix's freshman year. Oh my gosh, yeah. That was Bo Nix's freshman year. He beat Oregon that year, and then ASU handed them the second loss, and then Oregon won the Pac-12 championship that year to, I think, knock Utah out of potentially getting in the playoffs. Yep. It was something, it was something like that, yeah. So it, I talked to Trent Bargay today, ironically, about that game. He was a true freshman that year, too, and he was just – so it's kind of just a full-circle moment this week with uh, that last meeting. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, that was kind of also uh, – if, like, Jaden Rashada did play, then it was like, oh, no, Arizona State's going to throw out a highly talented uh, recruit who is in his freshman year, and could he take down Oregon in the second last week of the season? And so Duck fans are going through some PTSD of that 2019 season. Definitely a tough yeah, loss. Yeah, Jaden Daniels, man, he yeah. was uh... – he was, uh, he's doing some good things at LSU now, too. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny, too, because they talk about how Bo Nix is so old. Well, Jaden Daniels literally threw two touchdown passes to Brandon Ayuk in that game, and Brandon Ayuk's been in the <laughs> NFL for several seasons. So it's, <laughs> Exactly. It's the same exactly. thing. 
Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. One last question that I do have for you is it's a big week for the Ducks in the desert. Women's basketball plays GCU on Thursday. Volleyball yeah. plays yeah, yeah, on yeah. Friday and Sunday in Arizona. But, you know, for these Duck fans like myself traveling down to Tempe, where should we go eat? Oh, go to eat in Tempe. Um, I'd say, bur- like, Burrito Express is kind of the staple um, just as far as, like, if you're looking for something for breakfast and something like that. Um, I live in Phoenix, which is where the school is, so I'm not too familiar with all the other spots, but I know that Burrito Express is definitely one to hit. Gotcha, gotcha. What about Phoenix? Any any good recommendations in Phoenix? Oh, Phoenix. Um, oh, shoot. Uh, the, the, what place is it? Uh, I forget. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of good places in Phoenix, but there's this one taco place that's really good. Um, yeah, the you'll – Phoenix in just the Phoenix metro area, Tempe, it's not too hard to find good food down here. It's a very foodie spot. I will say this about ASU Volleyball. This has been a very fun season for them. Um, I wasn't expecting um, them to perform like this uh, on this level. I mean, they went up to Eugene and swept the Ducks earlier this yep. year. And so, Stanford. Yeah, and they swept Stanford at home, which was unbelievable. So this is going to be a – very touted matchup down here this weekend, so I'm pretty pumped to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm very excited, too. Uh, Oregon, of course, looking for revenge against Arizona State on Friday. I'll be down there uh, calling the match. Maybe I'll see you there, but really excited to get down to uh, the desert, and thank you so much for coming on today and talking some Arizona State and Oregon sports. Of course, Knight. You have a good one, man. Take care. That was Blake Neiman from Arizona State. Uh, put him on the spot there with food, and he didn't give me a good recommendation. I was really hoping that he was going to help the Duck fans out there, uh, but a really fun time talking with Blake Neiman from Cronkite Sports. Uh, me and him go back to the West Coast League this summer. He was broadcasting for the Band Elks. He's from Philomath, just outside of Corvallis, but he goes to Arizona State, and we're happy to have him here today on Quacksmack. And with that, We'll step aside for another break, and when we come back, we'll talk some more Oregon sports, starting with some Oregon football here on 88.1. KWVA. KWVA. There are nearly 20 million refugees worldwide fleeing terror, war, violence, and political and religious persecution. Refugees admitted to permanently resettle in the U.S. have been passed through multiple levels of rigorous screening and security clearance. They want what we all want, peace, security, and freedom from fear. Refugees are survivors, families, and no different from us. It's time we welcome refugee families with open arms. Learn more at EmbraceRefugees.org. Dolly Parton's Imagination Library is dedicated to inspiring a love of reading. The organization achieves this by gifting books free of charge to children from birth to age five. The program spans five countries and gifts over one million free books each month to children around the world. If you want your child to receive free books, visit imaginationlibrary.com to check out availability in your area. Imagination Library. Ah. Students, when I call the reason for your absences throughout the years, please exit the auditorium without your high school diploma. <clears throat> Too tired. 
family trip. Sick day. Starting the holidays early. Starting in the sixth grade, students who miss 18 days or more of school in a year for any reason will fall behind and risk not graduating high school. How many days of school has your child missed this year? Absences add up. Keep track at boostattendance.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ed Council. Hey, this is Joey McMurray, broadcaster for the Oregon Sports Network and former KWVA sports director. But he's wearing Adidas pants. You can't do that. And you're listening to Quacksmack. Bring it back here for Quack Smack. Night, Yuretsky, Ian Sutliff, just the two of us today. We're hanging in there. It's, it's been a good show so far. Yeah, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, you know, it has. Uh, we just talked with Blake Neiman. Great interview, by the way. Really insightful. Gave a lot of really good insight into what's happening in Arizona State. A lot of excitement about Ray Anderson being gone, and, you know, rightfully so. I, I think Sun Devil fans deserve better, and I, I'm excited to see what their programs do now that he's gone. Yeah, it's been a while since they were – a top top program so it's a little interesting to to see them go this long without being one of those ranked teams definitely um so while we were doing this interview the college football playoff top 25 just came out and i just kind of wanted to do an instant reaction with you and just kind of talk about the top 25 things shake up obviously the biggest change right now georgia's number one ohio state's number two michigan's number three florida state number four but a little bit of movement in the top 10 especially the top five i i agree with the georgia ranking absolutely i mean when you go and beat ole miss and you absolutely kill them i think you deserve number one ohio state also is very lucky to not have a loss on the season they won that notre dame game in south bend and that if notre dame has 11 players on the field for that final defensive drive they probably win and Ohio State barely escaped out of there with a win. Um, I thought the Florida State ranking was a little interesting. I think Washington should jump them. I think yeah. Florida State has had a very, very easy schedule. And they didn't look good against Miami. And if Miami had some competent quarterback play, they probably come away with that win easily. So No, I mean, Miami was pushing late, and then all of a sudden uh – Emory Williams breaks his arm. Yeah, tough, that was tough loss. Interesting. No, and, and, and you know it is unfortunate. I agree. Like I'm surprised that Washington isn't in there. They must really value LSU. Like that first game of the season. Yeah, but LSU is <sighs> such a different team now than they were at the very beginning of the season. That's what I'm saying. And the other thing is, is like Washington. Like I mean, if you look at it, they beat Oregon. Like that's probably a better win. Like Washington has better wins than Florida State. And they beat Utah and USC on the road. So. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's tough. They they won against Utah at home this weekend, but they beat USC on the road. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, though, Oregon stays at number six. I think that it's good to see the Ducks still there, not ahead of, uh, not behind Alabama per se. Uh, Texas still number seven. I'm a bit surprised. Missouri jumping up all the way to number nine. Two lost team in the top ten. Yeah, they played super well this this weekend and. Who are their two losses to? Is it? It's LSU and Georgia. Georgia. Okay. I mean, and they played Georgia at home, right? Yeah, they so. played Georgia in Athens. It was like a nine-point loss for them, and then they lost to LSU late. Like, they were winning a lot of that game. Really well, good team, though. They absolutely destroyed Tennessee this week, too. Yeah. It wasn't really even close. So. I, you know, the thing is, is, like, Tennessee went up to number 
13 last week and like they went up five spots after just like obliterating UConn which made no sense why they jumped five spots for beating UConn <laughs> but yeah they dropped five spots and you know they're it, number 18 I think that's a fair spot for Tennessee happy to see though the Arizona highest or second highest three loss team Arizona in the top 20 17 yeah that's crazy they're a great team they're yeah. really underrated there I've been saying for a while that I know that I was on your show one time and I said <laughs> yeah that Arizona was, I think, like in my top six. And at the time, they had just lost to USC in yep. triple overtime. Double overtime. Or double yes. overtime. Yeah. and That was a fun game. They should have gone for two. They should have. They should have. But, I mean, that would have been a huge win. They would probably be borderline top ten. They'd be close to it by I, now. So. I think so, too. I, I think that if Arizona hangs on against USC, which they probably should have beaten USC – and they come away with a victory in Starkville at the beginning of the year. They lost to an overtime to Mississippi State. They didn't have Noah Fafita then, but that's a winnable game at the same time. Yeah. And so they're literally a couple of plays away from being a one-loss team. Yeah, that's and, crazy. Yeah, literally. I, I'm very glad that Oregon does not have to play Arizona. That's a huge trap game. Yeah. Oh, that my gosh. That would have been a huge trap game. I'm I think so- Oregon would have lost. If, if this weekend was Arizona, not they Arizona State, Oregon would lose. It, it would be so scary. I'm feeling a little bit better against Arizona State than I am Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I think Arizona State, I know that I was looking at that too before Blake said something about it, but it's literally the almost like the exact same details. It was 9-1, and one, Oregon was number six. This year, 9-1, and one, number six, Heisman-type quarterback. It's... It is a little scary looking at it. Not so worried, though, because Arizona State has really struggled. And winning at UCLA, pretty big win, but yep. UCLA is also – No quarterbacks. Yeah. Their, their offense is really bad. They had Shalia in the game. and ugh. I mean, there, there was like Arizona State, for granted, like they had a couple of really big fourth down stops like Blake was talking about. I was just watching some of the highlights from that game. Because uh, I, I obviously wasn't watching it because Oregon-USC was happening at yeah. the same time. But just, like, looking at it, there was, like, a couple of times in the red zone where UCLA went for it and Arizona State stopped them, which is maybe a frightening thing if you're Oregon, knowing that Arizona State a week ago was so good on fourth down. And so maybe it's a little bit of that same thing. Kenny Dillingham, obviously, very aggressive. Dan Lanning, very aggressive. I'm excited to see the aggressiveness between those two. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Arizona State should have beat Washington. They almost came away with yep. that, and there was some very, very questionable calls. It's the same thing, game. right? You know, questionable play calling hurt Oregon last no, like year. Refereeing, like, oh yes, there was yes. some brutal calls. Yes, that pass interference. Oh my god, I have yeah. a screenshot of it where he's literally tugging on yeah. his jersey. Yeah, no, literally. And then right after that, they threw the pick six. Yeah, <laughs> that was just a heartbreaker. Uh, as somebody wearing a Kansas jersey right now, Jayhawks at number 25 dropping nine spots. I think that's kind of fair. Yeah. Well, I only really watch their basketball. But <laughs> I, if their football is playing well, support, of course. Um, that was my number two score right behind Oregon. I've always watched their basketball team and loved it. And that was since I've been, like, seven years old. And I got to go to Lawrence last year. That was really fun. Or Ooh. this, It would be this year, actually. For basketball, basketball or football? Yeah, basketball. Basketball. In February against West Virginia. It was in the a, fog. In the fog. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, being at Autzen and getting to go to the fog, like, being in both those environments, it's 
easily the like two of the best in all of college sports. What, what's easily. a better environment, being at Autzen for a football game or being at the Fog for a basketball game? Ooh, I mean, they played West Virginia, so it wasn't as big of a game. Um, it's cool seeing Bob Huggins' last game, too, yeah. at the Fog. I don't think he'll ever coach again. <laughs> Probably um, not. Yeah, but – Oh man, that's tough. That's that's a really tough question. Being in the fog was was pretty crazy. I'm gonna go with Autzen though. I mean, seeing it this yeah. last weekend too, the Oof. way that it's been this year. I mean, the Colorado game too. I've never seen it like this, and you know, my three years here, it's it's been crazy. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the stripe out was awesome. So loud. Oh, yeah. This this weekend was really, really loud. Yeah, I had, like, a headache. Yeah. Um, it, like, actually kind of hurt my head. It was so loud in there. Yeah, no, a fifth largest crowd in Austin history, which was just awesome to see. Blackout, everybody really showed out. There was obviously a oh, few yeah. people not wearing black, but it looked really, really cool. It was really, really loud, and everybody yeah. was fired up for that one. Even uh, just talking to Eli Kleinman, uh, and Jack Smith, who were up from USC student radio station, they were like, wow, it is really, really loud. And they, they, their thing was it was probably as loud as the Notre Dame game that they went to. That's what they were saying. But okay. Notre Dame got louder at, like, certain moments, whereas Oregon was just consistently loud throughout the can entire they, game, they said. They can fit more people in South Bend, right? Oh, that absolutely. Stadium? There's only 54,000 people that can go into Autzen. Okay. There's, like, 80,000, oh, I yeah. want to say, at, yeah. like, Notre Dame. Like, that's the thing is there's – I think it was 58,000 people were in Autzen Stadium, fifth largest crowd, which is just awesome. Yeah, I would say Oregon arguably has maybe the best fans in college football. That's a <laughs> – it depends on who you ask. Some it's people will say that Oregon has the worst fans in college football. Oh, I wouldn't say so. I mean – Well, yeah, because you go to the University of Oregon. Yeah. I mean, sitting in the student section is a little different, I'm sure, yeah. um, than being, you know, anywhere else around the stadium. But I don't know. I mean, Yeah. The student section – I so for the second time in my college career, I got to sit in the student section for the Cal game. And even the Cal game, which was like pouring rain, mm-hmm. not the biggest turnout. It was cool being in the student section. Like I, I like I, yeah, I, I hadn't really that experienced game. that, and it was just like because of the rain. Yeah, I was I was gonna get a ticket, um, and then I was like, oh, like it'll be fine. Like it won't sell out. Um, so I'll just get it in a few hours or whatever, and it sold out. So yeah. I forget that we're the number six team sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, Oregon is the number six team in the country for a reason. Uh, real quick, as we get back to the college football playoff rankings, any other surprises for you as the new rankings are released? Um, I think maybe Alabama has a case to be ahead of Texas. I get the head to head. Um, but Texas is significantly worse than they were when they played Alabama the first time and Alabama is significantly better. Um, I think that will change eventually, and it's going to be interesting watching that Alabama-Georgia game to see who's way better because Georgia also hasn't been totally challenged yet. I think that the Pac-12 schools have all had more challenges than Georgia has this season. So we'll see. I think that's going to be interesting. I think Bama Bama looks really good, but I don't know. I don't know. Once they play a good team, I think they could get exposed, but we'll see. That's going to be interesting, though, for the committee if Bama is a one-loss 
SEC champ, you're not going to not put them in. And then how about Georgia being mm-hmm. as dominant as they are? It would be kind of hard to leave them out. Yep. I, I, I think there's a case either way. I think that'd be tough because if Alabama wins the SEC championship, do you put Alabama in over Georgia? And then at that point, do you put Georgia in or Oregon in? A, a Pac-12 champion Oregon with one loss over a non-SEC champion Georgia with one yeah, loss. Yeah, I mean, what do you do there if it's if Bama wins and Georgia's a one loss? Because you have Bama and Georgia that both should be in. Bama definitely, I think, gets in. And you can't not put an SEC champ with one loss that just beat the top team. Yeah. And then Georgia's a top four team no matter what happens the rest of the season for me. And then what do you do with the Ohio State-Michigan? What if one of those teams is undefeated and then you get – Well, you Florida. are going to have one of those teams undefeated most likely. Yeah. Unless something jarring happens in the Big Ten. So, East. yeah, you, I'm going to say that it'll wins. be Michigan could go undefeated this season. And then you get Florida State that hasn't played anyone really. I mean, Duke, but Riley Leonard is – I don't think he's that good. <laughs> I mean, you he's look been, at it, he's been banged up. Yeah, but look at his stats too against the top teams, and then look at against not so good teams. He is significantly, significantly worse yeah. against top teams. He which, definitely had his like best moment against Clemson at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and Clemson's not that good this year. Nope. Um, but then what do you do with that? And you get like an Oregon team that's hot, that barely lost to Washington on the road, outplayed Washington. They ended up losing, but they outplayed Washington that game. And then they avenge that loss, and there are one loss after some big road wins. You get the Utah win where they won by 29. That's super impressive. I don't know what you do there. So you get like five, six teams that could be in it. Yep. And you have Texas, too, that could go 12-1 and one with that win over Bama. It's just I don't even know what you do there. Yeah, it, it, this is why it's – it's coming down to the wire, and I really don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Oregon, you got to feel like with the way that the Pac-12's been this year, like if Oregon wins out, beats Washington, who's I guess in this weekend you got to root for Washington over Oregon State. Yeah, I think if you're an Oregon fan, right, the the Washington whatever Washington does doesn't matter. It's kind of a win-win. They lose, okay, cool, like. Oregon, Oregon hates Oregon hates Washington, and yeah, Oregon State like then would be in the top ten, 10 probably, which they're not right now. But they're number twelve, right? They're eleven. Okay, they which also is a surprise to me. I thought Oregon State was going to be a little bit higher. Yeah, but then that one looks even better if they pull it off. And for Wash, the Washington game really doesn't matter to Oregon, and or that how Washington plays, unless they lose the last two doesn't really matter to Oregon because all that matters is beat them in the Pac-12 championship. Yep. That's really all that matters. That's the only game on Washington's schedule for Oregon that matters. It's just so tough. I I, I feel that because the Pac-12 has been so good this year, if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship, they'll get in, even though they're the sixth-ranked team right now. I just feel like that's enough because you could debate the Pac-12 is – the best conference in the country, maybe number two. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, right now they're taking Florida State over Washington. I think, obviously, I don't think the ACC is that good. It's not. It's very 
top heavy and then I think it, well it's really only Florida State Duke and North Carolina have totally fallen off and Miami's not even close now yep so oh Louisville is good but uh, they haven't Louis- played Louisville yet yeah Louisville's gonna be the end of the year what happens then I mean Louisville's probably not getting in maybe I mean no they won't they won't as a one loss as even, a one loss ACC team probably no. not even though they would have wins over Florida State and Notre Dame if yeah, it's going to be interesting though if that Bama Georgia game if Bama wins and then Florida State if they win and they beat Louisville handily, it's who knows it's going to be. They must Fox really 12. like the ACC for some reason this year because Louisville. Yeah, it's just I think it's hard because the way Washington has played against some of these not so great teams and Utah they Utah could have easily won that game. Yeah. And Washington dropped the ball in the one yard line. <laughs> yeah, that was I was watching that live. That was surprising. I was yelling at the TV. I was like, <laughs> he dropped it. He dropped it. Like, that's not a touchdown. It was like Utah flashbacks. Yeah. I was totally like, yeah, he looked way early when he dropped the ball. I was like, he was definitely not in. Yeah. And he wasn't. I'm shocked was. to see that Louisville was at 10 behind Missouri. Like Missouri's at number nine right now, and I guess I get it. Their two losses are Georgia and LSU, both within ten points. Yeah, so I don't know. It's like Louisville barely won against Virginia this past week. I, I don't know if Louisville's gonna Louisville. have it in them. Virginia's played pretty well against some top teams, though. Yeah, recently they actually have been playing a little bit better, but they knocked out. I don't know North Carolina. I think if Louisville and Florida State played any of the top like three Pac-12 teams, they would totally get exposed. I think that if Oregon somehow makes it to the number three seed and plays number two Florida State, it'd be exactly what we saw in the 2014 Oh, I Rose absolutely Bowl. agree. Florida State would get killed against Oregon or Washington, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think the Pac-12 is really strong this year. and I'm, I'm honestly surprised that Oregon State's not in the top ten. I feel like Oregon State's just getting snubbed. Like, they didn't get college game day this week. and They right, should have. I don't know why they're yep. taking it to James Madison. That's for the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> it's so lame. I mean, it's it's not 2012. I don't know why. Yeah, it, dude, I don't I don't either. I mean, I, maybe because they feel bad because James Madison's not gonna go bowling this year. Maybe that's they will. right. I forgot about that. Like that would be like the one consolation is like, hey, you got college game day. But that, it's like you have a top 15 matchup. You have a top 11 matchup. Oregon State versus Washington. Oh yeah, that's way better. Yeah, that's what I think. And Oregon's got game day twice. I mean, both on the road. Yeah, but so like, it's not a big deal if you y- put Washington on twice. You know how electric Corvallis would be, like, and, yeah, and Oregon cool. State's like. I mean, obviously they had the big win today with the lawsuit in the Pac-12 and yeah. Washington State and Oregon State uh, now being the governing bodies of the Pac-12, the Pac-2 now. Uh, but just <laughs> like give them like college game day, like Corvallis would lose its mind. It would be uh, interesting. I would consider going. Yeah, to go see that. I mean, I mean, you should consider going on Saturday. <laughs> like, yeah, just to like be in the environment like that. That I feel like Corvallis this weekend is going to be pretty rowdy. It's going to be a fun football game no matter what. I'm excited because Oregon is at one o'clock Pacific time, and that game is at four thirty Pacific time, and so I yeah. get to watch like the end of that game. If you're an Oregon fan, who do you root for this weekend? Oregon State. <laughs> Uh, Washington? I don't know. That, yeah, like, I don't know. And that's what I was getting at. Like, I think that, like, as a Duck fan, you probably want 
Washington to win so that they're undefeated when you beat True. them in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. But I also think that it doesn't matter because if Oregon State beats Washington, they're going to be in the top 10, and Washington will still probably be in the top 10. And so at that point, you just have back-to-back top 10 wins in a row. Yeah. Which still wouldn't be, yeah. like, the worst. But still, you probably want Washington to be undefeated when you meet them in the Pac-12 championship. I think that looks better. To throw them, yes. And avenge that loss. I think that – I think it would be best for Oregon – if Washington beat Oregon State by a very, very slim margin, and it was it's a very close game, and that Air or Oregon State won't really drop, if at all, maybe one, maybe two ranks down, and then you have Washington undefeated. You go beat Oregon State, and then Washington, and get into the playoff. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a realistic possibility. I think it's exciting that Oregon gets. Oregon State at the end of the year on a Friday, last rivalry series game. And yeah, <sighs> super high ranked too. I yeah, mean, this is probably one of the best, like, top ranked Oregon and Oregon State have ever been. And and this is a big game for Dan Lanning because he couldn't pull off the victory last year in Corvallis, yeah. and obviously the last year in Corvallis was like a tough one because immediately after Oregon lost, Kenny Dillingham got on a plane, went to Tempe. Yeah. And that was just, like, jarring. You know, Oregon lost, then they lose their electric offensive coordinator. Yeah, and, and at now, that point, you think Bo's probably going to the NFL. And no one knew Bo was coming back at that point. So it was starting to look like typical Oregon where everything starts falling apart at the end of the season. People leave and, all right, we're going to have to try again. So, but now Oregon's back and they have – a shot, a shot at, you know, doing what they did back in 2015. And so we'll see. It's a uh, interesting. Yeah. I th- think anyone could win. Yeah. Arizona State on Saturday. Does this game worry you at all? Like, I, I know there's the history between Arizona State and Oregon. Does it worry you at all? Not really. I think what will happen is Oregon will struggle the first quarter, quarter and a half. Maybe even at halftime it'll be a close game. And then it'll, Oregon will pull away, is my prediction. But I think it could be close for a little bit, and then, then it will just be you don't think next takeover. You, you don't think it'll be a blowout like Utah ASU? No, uh, it will be a blowout, but it's going to be – yeah, it, it's going to be competitive for at least a little bit. I think it's exciting. Oregon versus ASU happening this upcoming weekend. We're making the trip down. We're going to have volleyball on Friday on KWVA Eugene, 88.1, 5 p.m. Pacific time. And then Saturday, Ryan Milano and myself will be back in it, 1 p.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. in the desert if you're making the trip down to Tempe this upcoming weekend. What a fun show. Just two-man show. I hear Ian Sutliff. We talked to Blake Neiman from Arizona State earlier. We talked some Oregon football. We talked some college football playoff and me and Blake. Talk some ASU versus Oregon, Ducks versus Devils. We'll see you in the desert this upcoming weekend. Tomorrow, we're going to have Quacksmack again. Austin Oda will be hosting. Quacksmack on KWVA. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene, 88.1 FM.